Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL. And thank goodness for her introduction, because I just had a coughing fit due to the allergies here. So it worked out. Thank you very much, Esther, for giving me a second to recover. But thank you for joining us. We have a lot to talk about this week, ladies and gentlemen. So let's get right into it and introduce the combatants first. He's the challenger, and he already gets brownie points for showing up here on his day off. He's the prince of positivity, the co-host of On to the Next One and Tough Hang. He's my best friend, Dang Namit, and he's excited for the NBA draft. Alexander Happy Kaylee. draft day, everyone. That's how Best of luck to everyone. I'm great. I'm great. I'm very excited. It's NBA draft day, one of my favorite days of the year. Best of luck to all of you. May your picks be uh, be superstars and not busts nor lemons. Very excited. Are you are you optimistic that they will they will draft well? Listen, number 13 pick, Kobe Bryant, Carl Malone, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker. I'm just saying, it's got a better hit rate than some of the top picks in the top 10. So I am excited. Number 13, Masai. Bobby, don't let me down. Yes, the Celtics traded Marcus Smart. Don't know how I feel. We'll see what happens. But making his first title defense, ladies and gentlemen, is the man with the best theme song in MMA. And I have to say, after Tuesday's edition of Heck of a Morning, he might have overtaken Jed as the new Mr. Hot Take. He is the BTL champion. He is New York Rick. Hello, sir. How are you? Mike, it's a pleasure to be here as always. It's also my day off, coincidentally, um, but there's no place I'd rather be than with you guys. I've even put on my glasses just so I can experience this as, as clearly as I possibly can and see you guys as, as perfectly as I can uh, because there's no better way to spend the time. So I want to see your beautiful faces. Casey, Alex, Mike, uh, you guys are the best. The ultimate baby face. Incredible, incredible stuff. So very positive introductions and let's just get into this thing because we usually like to stay on this trend we like to start with some fun stuff maybe a recap some more positivity but unfortunately first question first topic not really how that's going to play out today because since we last had this program and i believe this story broke like minutes after last week's show ended conor mcgregor is Back in the news, the former two-division UFC champion, and it's not for good reasons. He is being accused of sexually assaulting a woman in Miami after game four of the NBA Finals. Of course, we all remember what happened during the game, just cracking the mascot and putting the damn dude in the hospital. But 
this is a totally different discussion. TMZ first reported the news, then released a couple of videos they received over the the coming days after showing McGregor and the accuser together and McGregor and his team have vehemently denied these allegations. The investigation is still ongoing. There are no charges filed thus far, whether it's civil or from a criminal perspective. So New York Rick, obviously a lot to unpack here. These are allegations, like I mentioned, no charges. And I know we need to be careful with how we word all this, but how did you react to this news? Because we basically just wrapped BTL and then minutes later, here we go. Yeah, it would be irresponsible to kind of speculate on on any of the actions that actually occurred. Right now, it's just allegations. As you mentioned, no charges filed. Um, Conor McGregor seems to be proceeding with his life um, as normal based on continuing to post to social media accounts. Um, so we really don't know what is going to play out here. Um, but my reaction to the news itself was, unfortunately, here we go again. Like it, it, it at this point seems like this is this is the nature of what you're getting with Conor McGregor. Uh, it, it it seemed to me for a moment the fact that they were able to wrangle him in for tough um, made me think maybe we're turning the corner. Maybe he can be focused and and um, keep himself out of trouble and get into uh, the cage and fight. Uh, but there's there's time between that tough taping and the uh, the time that they have to fight, and and it appears to be too much. When when Conor McGregor is idle, it does not appear that good things happen. And and you know there there's no way to make light of something this uh, the the accusations here. There's no there's nothing. Um, it, it even though it feels like this happens all the time. It, it does not mean that allegations like this can be just swept aside. There, there's a very serious allegation being made, and obviously, um, there, there's still a lot to be played out. But unfortunately, yes, it does feel to me like just another another one of these situations for Conor McGregor. Unfortunately, AK, what 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 do you think of all this? I mean, you're you're our boots on the ground virtually for the ultimate fighter. You've been watching McGregor coach and all of that. And then this news comes out and it's just, it's, you know, pun intended. It's a tough hang, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, there was so much doubt around the McGregor uh, Chandler match happening. Even at the, when the, when the season was first announced, uh, everyone thought it was a great idea to have them coach. Everyone thought, Oh, this is a pretty logical comeback fight for McGregor. Chandler had essentially spoken it into existence. He had been, I, if go to mafighting.com uh, or Google mafighting.com and look up like Chandler McGregor, he did at least like four or five different interviews, tweets, whatever, just public comments saying McGregor's fight's going to happen. McGregor comes back. I'm the guy for it. And it's not that people didn't believe him. It's just like, you know, we thought there were other options. And then when Chandler finally, finally landed it, everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. This is other people were booked. Like, this is the right fight for him to come back to. So it seemed like the perfect opportunity. And I was saying, I had said on, on Tough Hang, like, man, the show is doing like a really decent job of trying to sort of rehabilitate Connor's image. Um, one, he's been away from so long. Two, he has all past, uh, you know, crimes and allegations. I mean, his, like, he still has a huge, huge legion of fans. But I do feel like there were some sort of cracks in that, uh, that fan base starting to form. And especially among the more casual set who aren't like, you know, like complete Conor McGregor sycophants. If Ultimate Fighter 31, if they tuned in and kind of saw a random episode, oh, look at him. He's 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 paying a kid for these custom action figures. What a nice guy. Look at him spending time with these up-and-coming fighters. I thought it was like they were trying to rehab his image and doing a decent job of it. 
last Thursday, this whole story just explodes and everything I said just looks insanely foolish. So, um, yeah, listen, it's, it's, it's horrible news for obvious reasons. And also uh, for fight fans who were hoping to see, obviously hoping to see Conor McGregor back in action, want to see this Chandler fight. Um, Mike, I will say this. I had said at the beginning of the year, uh, we, I think we had been asked over under John Jones McGregor fights and it was like one and a half. And I went under because I thought it was going to be zero. Then John Jones fought, and I was like, oh, boy, now, now I'm in trouble. I'm looking pretty safe again. I was going to say, I don't know John Jones and McGregor fight again this year, so I feel pretty good about that prediction now. All right. I mean, we can't really throw out hypotheticals with all of this, so I, we have to wait and just see how this all plays out legally. But, AK, no matter how this goes, if Con- and you mentioned it with the casual audience and, and the cracks in the fan foundation – if Connor is being tried in the court of public opinion, this is not a good look being in these headlines and it happens over and over again. And, and, and this whole thing, as you mentioned, just has cast another shadow on this return to the octagon and a potential fight with fellow tough 31 coach, Michael Chandler. So gymnastic scale, AK gymnastic scale for the faith you have right now that Connor McGregor versus Michael Chandler happens oh. in 2023. Oh, it's at like a 1.52. I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I, we didn't even mention, I, I meant to say it. I'm, I'm sure we're all thinking about it. The, the USADA stuff as well. Everyone's reported uh, pretty widely that he does not appear to be back in the system. There's certainly a possibility that the USADA stuff doesn't matter. I can't remember who said it, but there's like someone could say, oh, yeah, he was, he's been tested. We just didn't update the, you know, we just didn't update his profile or whatever. He's been tested. Or uh, there's the UFC's. You know they can do the uh, what's the what's the word? Give an exemption, exemption for extraordinary circumstances. They've done it before, of course, most famously for Brock Lesnar. I'm not entirely sure what the circumstance could be, other than <clears throat> the UFC deciding, like, listen, we really want to make some more money this year, so please let McGregor fight. Um, I know, I know, it sounds cynical, but it, listen, the US, the USADA works with the UFC. I'm not saying the USADA lets the UFC do whatever they want. But I'm saying there's legalese, there's language that could be unearthed that could so I could we could totally say, yep, USADA decided for some reason uh, McGregor fight. But I don't think that's going to happen. That's the cynical side of me talking. I don't think that's going to happen. I I don't think uh, we see that fight this year. So I'm at like a 1.5, really low that it happens. I, and I think I raised I can't remember if I raised this question. Uh, I think I raised on Tough Hang this week. I, I do want to ask you guys, New York Rick as well, especially, um, what do you think the chances are the fight happens ever? Forget this year. Just is, is this fight gonna? Is this fight just done now? Rick. Yeah, I think that's a, a more fair question because, to be honest, uh, I'm wondering like, is Conor McGregor gonna get his life in order more so than is Conor McGregor gonna fight? Like, I really fighting is like one of the furthest things from my mind when it comes to him because okay, he they announce he gets in the Asada pool and they announce the date of Michael Chandler versus Conor McGregor. Now what? What happens in the months between? Like there's just no certainty when it comes to Conor McGregor and and his behavior when he's not literally just standing in the cage. Outside of that, it it seems to be unmanaged and and out of control. So, um, don't have high hopes of him fighting this year at all. Don't think that's that's a possibility. Don't like is he ever gonna fight again? Can he get himself 
back in that space and be disciplined to that level is I think a real question is a legitimate question. And, and I'm not sure that the answer is yes. So um, it remains to be seen and we'd need to see it, but I'm more concerned about like, can this guy be a functioning member of society, let alone, you know, fighting again, there's, there's, there's a lot that needs to be proven from Conor McGregor's side before I think about fights at all. Yeah. And, and I want to add to that. I think one big difference about this and a lot of other people have mentioned is like, this happened in the United States. Uh, not to say that there's like, you know, him, him doing it out, you know, these other sexual assault allegations that occurred outside of the U S one of them, I think, I think there was a couple, I want to say that there's at least one in Dublin, maybe a couple, one off the coast of Corsica, if I remember correctly. So that's near France. This is the first time it's, happened on on u.s soil and i think more importantly that there's some sort of video at least tying him to the accuser again this to be, this video does not by any means conclusively prove the allegations but this is the most like uh you know public can see the evidence uh situation that we have had with uh when it comes to these sexual assault allegations so and again and, and it also the first happens happen in the u.s so this is like Anyone who thinks that he's just gonna that this can just be shrugged off, I think it's a, that's ridiculous. Uh, I'm not saying that this this is not going to get settled out of court. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if this result if this is settled uh, financially and everyone just goes their separate ways. But uh, that does not again as 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 Rick has said does not sort of dismiss the severity of the of of the situation here. I, I do think these are the most serious charges he's faced yet. And while I do think that he will end up fighting again, and I do think. People will find a way to embrace him again if he does fight. This is the cynical side of me talking again. Uh, it's never, it's never felt more bleak that um, Conor McGregor can come back from from something. I think. Look, Dana Dana White has not reacted to any of this yet. He was not at the Apex card last week. I would assume he's going to be in Jacksonville on Saturday, speaking with the media. I'll be there. I'm sure he's going to talk about this for the first time, but. Yeah, Greg, you said something really interesting. Can this man get his life together? And not only that, it's just the amount of time between obligations when it comes to the fight game. Like you give, you put so much space in between. It's tough when you're, we have all this money and you have all this fame and you're being pulled in all these different directions, all these different adventures and endeavors that he's a part of and all these businesses. The dude is all over the place. So taking, keeping that in mind, Yeah, Greg, when Dana is asked about this and look, he's the biggest star in the history of the sport. This is a business. What are your thoughts on them? Just like benching him because yeah, you want the man to get his life together, but is benching him the right answer considering he, he kind of needs something to, to work towards. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult position from the UFC's perspective because again, like if they enact a punishment of some sort, a benching of some sort, it looks like they are they are um, uh, backing the allegations or, or like co-opting the allegations and saying like something untoward happened here. If there's a situation where Conor McGregor is free and clear and um, didn't need to be benched, it would it would give off bad optics and and it's it's dicey, it's messy for the UFC. I think they they will likely and Dana White would be smart to take the approach of hey we have to see how this plays out legally and then we will make it to a decision from there. I don't think that they can get ahead of it or do anything proactive. You know, there's certain th- steps that that I think have already played out. Right, like for example, if this was an allegation that they took to the highest possible degree of seriousness and order, maybe tough 
would have had some kind of statement or maybe tough would have paused airing or something to that effect. They, they can't do that. They can't proactively get out of that without, you know, making some kind of determination there. So I think that they have to take a hands-off approach. I think that they have to kind of wait to see how things play out and then determine what they're going to do from there. If Conor McGregor ends up not um, suffering any consequences or penalty, would it make sense for the UFC to just sit him out? Probably not. He's a moneymaker at that point. What is, what is the point of having him on your roster if you're not going to use him? But I think he personally has an obligation to kind of, you know, figure out what's going on here, correct certain things in his life, and then think about fighting again after that. Yeah. And, and let me just be clear. When I say bench, I, I don't mean like we're – guilty until proven innocent. What I mean is just stay home, chill out, do what you got to do to like stay out of the spotlight for a while. And, you know, maybe you just need that in your life. You just need a little separation from everything you have going on. It's not, you know, condemning any action or anything like that. It's just, listen, we care about this guy. This guy's getting pulled in a million different directions. We just need him to settle down a little bit, let him calm down, and then we'll figure something out. But last thing before we move on, AK, you gave a gymnastic score and then you brought up, you gave a gymnastic score, but whether or not Connor Chandler happens this year. And then you posed a counter question of Connor ever fighting again or Connor Chandler ever fighting again. Gymnastic score for McGregor fighting ever again. I mean, in MMA and or he box, fights any, again. anything, bare knuckle, anything. Well, I mean, dude, he, I mean, look, if he's not fighting the UFC, he's not fighting anywhere. So that's oh. the UFC ain't going to let that dude fight anywhere else. With, I'm with saying, if we're fights talking, on his contract. If we're talking ever again, I could see some circumstance where somehow he gets dragged out to fight somewhere. Um, you're right. I, he he does have to deal with jump through hoops with the UFC. There's still money to be made off this guy. This is this is the life we live, right? This is the this is the business we're talking about. There's still a lot of money to be made off him. If we're talking, will he ever fight like one more time? One more time? I'm at like a nine point like eight. Like I'm nearly certain he will fight somewhere again. You're right. It probably has to be in the UFC, um, but. I don't know. Uh, as 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 much as we've um, assessed the severity of these allegations and this whole situation, and just where his the direction that his life seems to be going in, uh, man, the fight business is ever forgiving. I mean, John Jones did some pretty rough stuff uh, not long before coming back uh, this year. Now he's nominated for two ESPYS. Um, and we're talking about him fighting Stipe and this horrible thing that happened in Las Vegas after the Hall of Fame. Talking about John Jones, it's we all we're all aware of it. It certainly gets mentioned, but it's become so secondary to to just talking about Jones's fighting career again. Um, I can absolutely see the same thing happening as Conor McGregor. So I'm like a nine point eight. I, I I stopped short of ten just because there's nothing's guaranteed, but you're you're going to see Conor McGregor fight again. What do you think, New York Rick? I mean, I only bring this up because that is a very popular sentiment on the social media world. See, McGregor's never fighting again. I told you so. Yeah, um, I think he will fight again. I think there's a world where, as as AK said, he said it perfectly. Like the fight, the fight game is very forgiving when it comes to this type of thing. Um, if there's still interest in seeing you fight, fight fans will f- figure out how to find it, and promoters will figure out how to put it on. So yeah, I, th- I think Conor McGregor will fight again, and again. I think that's a bit of a dire. It would be dire. It would be a very dire statement to say Conor McGregor will never fight again 
based on this specific incident, right? It comes on the heels of this specific incident because there's there's still a lot of ambiguity. There's still a lot we don't know, and there's still a lot to play out here. So it would feel, um, it feel uh, presump presumptive to to do that. But yeah, there's certainly a trend of when Conor McGregor has free time here, things don't go well. So um, I understand that sentiment. I understand that wave, but I do expect that Conor McGregor will fight again. I, I, I can't imagine that he just walks away. Yeah, I'm with both of you. Let's move on. It's like almost not even right to give a point here, but I got to do it. That's the, the job. So point for round one goes to... Give it to AK. He's the Prince of Positivity and my best friend. That's 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 just. I don't even want to give a point, but it's biased. Listen, you're biased. Yeah, listen, you're biased. That's uh, we all know it, and I and I love it. That's what I love about you. Yes. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, let's let's transition. Let's head to this past weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. We had a lot of events. We had the UFC Vegas 75 card. We had Bellator 297. On Friday, we also had the PFL card. Bellator had a very good card on paper. PFL had PFL 5, which obviously had some aftermath. We'll get into that in a moment. So I will ask you, AK, you're a man of the people. You're a man who studies the metrics. You know what's going on. You you got your finger on the pulse, my man. And I'm not talking about the fights per se, but just like all the criteria involved in trying to answer this question. Who won last weekend, AK? Was it the UFC, Bellator, or PFL? And uh, let me counter that as well. Who lost the weekend between the three? Oh, 
Wow, you have, I would stop it to be all positivity. I don't want to say someone lost. We're all winners. We can all be winners in this in this crazy game called MMA. Uh, I just wish I had a graphic to compare the three events that you know <laughs> really really break it down. Really let people know. Uh, I'll go. Let's. I'll. I'll go. I'll go. I think it's. I don't know. I. I, I remember we were. I think. Apple here. Uh, we were having some internal discussions, and I think we said pretty clearly there was a winner. But kind of looking back on things now, maybe listening to some people on the MA Hour, you know, talk about it. The doesn't Sergio Pettis, things like that. I think it's closer. I think it's closer than people think. But I will still stick with PFL. Um, they apparently did a very good ratings number. Don Davis, speaking of graphics, Don Davis tweeted out that it was, I think, their most watched. I don't know if their most watched event yet. Top five, top five on cable on the night. Um, You know, people can listen. You can, when we're talking about viewership numbers, you can always kind of tweak things and pick things out to make your, you know, program look better, look better than it is. But 500,000 viewers, they said, really good number, not including streaming. Clearly, this was a watched event. And I think based on it having more social media traction than usual, I think we can believe those numbers. I think those numbers are real. And we know why it had more social media traction. Because we're all we knew Francis Ngannou was going to be in the building. Very well promoted by PFL. Excellent job. Because um, again, he's not fighting till next year. But anytime he shows up, you gotta let people know. France is gonna be here. John Jones is gonna be here cornering Maurice Green in the main event. It's set up perfectly. It's set up perfectly for have them to have them meet. And then they fu- they funneled John Jones towards where Francis was right at the end. We got a nice uh, face-off, beautifully filmed by uh, Jed Mishu. You guys can find that on MMA Fighting. And uh, it, it was exciting. It was exciting. We know they can't fight in the PFL. We know they're not fighting in the UFC anytime soon. But just seeing it and just teasing the possibility, having a beaming Ray Seffo in the background, just looking super excited to have them in the same place. That's great. That's great. And it gets people talking. It lets people know that the PFL exists because, listen, I don't mean to be condescending. There are four seasons in now. It, it's, it, does have, it still has nowhere near the casual cachet of a UFC. And I would still wager Bellator. I think Bellator has the history where if we're talking just like – I mean, it's it's not a huge, but probably more people know who Bell, what Bellator is or heard of Bellator than PFL. But after a move like this, you really get people who know about the you know who may, may only know about the UFC going like, oh, John Jones was there. That's cool. Oh, that's where Francis Ngannou went. The PFL and, and they interacted with John Jones, and the card had a few uh, you know some, some some decent finishes. I, I've been saying PFL has had a lot of luck this year with having at least like five, six, seven finishes per card. That happened. Larissa Pacheco looked like a star, just ran through Amber LeBrock. Uh, again, a lot of first-round finishes. That means you have to deal with uh, PFL pacing. That's fine. That's a thing that still has to be dealt with. But I'll go PFL 1. I think UFC, the the clear loser. Not a bad card at all. Not a bad card at all. But I have not heard word one about anyone talking about it after. I'm, I'm trying. I'm just quickly going over the results here. Man, nothing like came out of this. They tried to get Jared to talk about Hamzat. That was about it. That's really all you're getting. Armin, you know, trying to get the Michael Chandler fight. So there's just no buzz. And it was a fine card. It wasn't even like a bad card at all. Just completely forgettable. And that's what people were saying ahead of time. Like on paper, it can be what it is no matter what. It's just it's not going to have any buzz. So Bellator sitting firmly in the middle. Great moment for Sergio Pettis. Bizarre main event. I mean, that's what happens when you have uh, Yoel Romero in a title fight in the year of our Lord 2023. Um, so not bad. Looked, looked like the best card on paper was an okay card and some conversation about after not a lot right in the middle so pfl big winner ufc this week loser but i mean ufc overall is always winning so what does it matter all right Nick, you heard ak's power rankings pfl bellator 
UFC, are you with him or are you structuring yours a little differently? Yeah, it was a very long answer. And then right at the end is when he <laughs> finally said the point that mattered, which is that the UFC always wins. The winner of the weekend was the UFC, as it always will be and continue to be because they are getting the most viewers and continue to be on in prime spots on ESPN and just continue to run. And the machine keeps going and going and going and going no matter what they are putting out. Uh, so the UFC will always win. And then underneath that, they can battle for second. Certainly, I think the PFL uh, raised attention with the John Jones and Francis Ngannou thing. And AK said, you know, I've seen everybody talking about that and knowing nobody talking about the UFC card. I wonder in that same analysis if anybody was actually talking about anything from PFL other than John Jones and Francis Ngannou, which I already know the answer to. That was that was rhetorical because the answer is no, they were not talking about anything else from that card. Um, and a, the UFC has an even further kind of push of the marker here uh, into first place, which is that their champion heavyweight champion goes over to the pfl and it's the biggest story it continues to be a ufc story not a pfl story nobody is tuning into the pfl on the basis of john jones showing up to confront francis and ganu they just think oh wow john jones the ufc champion that was cool and then they continue to watch the ufc every saturday so yeah it's the ufc and then bellator and, and pfl somewhere underneath their battling as as they continue to do on social media out for second place uh but the ufc was the winner as they will always be yeah the, look you, you can i'll listen to any argument you want about this because you can look at it from so many different perspectives but clearly the biggest moment of the weekend came from the pfl card and I, let me just say this we have when jed and i do the promotional festivus at the end of the year I'm going to have a lot to say about the PFL and most of it is not going to be good. But what they did on Friday was brilliant because Maurice Green's in the main event with Anthony Delijah. We're like, why is Maurice Green in the main event? And why is Larissa Pacheco not in the main event? And then we kind of figured out why. And then these days, the big reason why Maurice Green fights, John Jones, not far behind. And then we found out France is going to be in attendance and we knew they would be in the same room and fans knew and media knew, which is why, the numbers were as high as they were because they wanted to see if we would get these guys face to face or at least John walking by Francis or something. They face off, they smack a little, talk a little smack to each other. And if you look at the views on social media and YouTube off the freaking chart. So let me ask you this, New York, Rick, what outside of like short term, having the moment of the weekend, what did this even accomplish? Like what impact did this moment have for the PFL for anybody involved with it, really, outside of just a, a quick moment, and that was cool, and then a couple of days later, it's like, okay, now it's over. Not much more than that, but the one thing I will give them credit for, and they continue to beat this drum, is they are the most vocal about we are agnostic to the territorial part of this. We have a guy who we think is the best. You have a guy who you think is the best. Let's have them fight. And they are the ones beating that drum. Um, and this was another example of it. Hey, we're going to have John Jones in our building and our, our new signed heavyweight is going to square off with him. And it's a fight that everybody actually wants to see. And we have no problem with, with taking that, that route. We have no problem with letting this face off happen and saying we want to do this fight and getting out in front of it. I think that's good promotionally for them. I think this was this was something that was smart for their part to do. That I think is the only benefit. I do not think this will lead to any long-term viewers. I do not think this will eventually lead to a fight. 
obviously John Jones is not going to be fighting Francis Ngannou while he is under the UFC banner. Um, but that that does have some value. The, the, the ability to say, we're the ones who are out here saying, you have fighters, we have fighters, and we're willing to put our fighters up against your fighters. That matters to some people, and I think that's significant. And so that would be the benefit in my mind. But in terms of like actual long-term value and metrics and anything that could have come from it, there was probably not a significant impact. AK, do you agree with that? Do you think this has any like long-term boosts, boosting potential at all outside of just a cool moment on Friday between two heavyweights that wanted to fight but never did? Mike, let me read a tweet here. (laughs) New, period. Record, period. Audience, period. (laughs) At PFL MMA last week equals fifth most watched event of all sports on cable. Head mind blown emoji, starry eye emoji. PFL 2023 up plus... 50% PFL US viewership now three times greater than the number three MMA company. Does not even name the company. Just saying whatever the number three MMA company is, three times US viewership, hashtag PFL, hashtag PFL MMA, hashtag MMA, and of course a fancy graphic to a company. That was from uh, one Mr. Don Davis. I I would hope, I would hope that a fraction of the people who tuned in would have not just tuned in for like the second half of the card. Like they would have seen Biagio Ali Walsh and said, I need to, I want to see more of, of uh, Muhammad Ali's grandkid. Uh, they would have seen Larissa Pacheco and, and been like, you know, the man of Nunes is gone. This woman looks pretty good. I'm going to, I'm going to tune in the next time she fights. I'm going to tune in the next time. Ante Delisia, Ante Delisia beat John Jones's guy. Ante Delisia must be good. Maybe Ante, Del- I want to see Ante Delisia fight Francis Ngannou. Uh, there's a lot of maybes that I'm throwing out here, guys. A lot of, uh, but I'm just saying, you don't have the possibility of this without this spike in viewership, without the spike in interest, and that's that's why you set up these gimmick, these gimmicky things. You hope that something will spark people to come back again, even if only a fraction of this 500k viewership uh, comes back. It's probably still gonna gonna be a boost over the usual cards. So. It's been said uh, they have one more event this week in Atlanta, PFL 6. I think it's the last regular season event. And we will see. We will see what the number is. It's certainly not going to be 500K. Um, but if it's anywhere like, you know, above, if there's any improvement over the usual number, I think I think we can point to this as, as being the uh, being the starting point. And then, of course, we have to see if it carries over to playoffs and championships as well. But, yes, I'm, I'm being optimistic here and saying um, hopefully some of those 500K that are new viewers will, will stick around. Yes, can't wait to see Auntie Elijah fight again until next year because he didn't make the freaking playoffs, which is Oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Why you gotta bring that it's up? Crazy. Why you bring that up? You know what? I I I don't really want to ask this, but I'm going to because this is this is the sport where you can continuously go back to this. Is PFL number two right now, AK? And I know this continues to be a thing, and it's a fight for number two, and New York Rick is gonna lose his shit, and I don't care. Because Bellator's roster is a thousand times better. And if they did a Bellator versus PFL event, Bellator would be like a minus 1,200 favorite to win the event. Like most of their fighters, most of their top-ranked fighters are going to run over the PFL's top fighters. They have a case to have the best fighter in the world in multiple divisions. The problem is, AK, and I love Bellator and I want them to succeed, Nobody seems to care. And that's just such a big problem considering the talent on this roster. So in the overall spectrum right now, who's number is PFL number two? 
Like, are they the number two promotion? Yeah, listen, we had a little a joke going like, wouldn't it be nice, you know, if if the promotion slotted into like one championship number two, because then there could be two championship, PFL number three could be the three <laughs> FL, and Bellator in fourth place is Bellafor. But <laughs> as cute as that is to say, I do think PFL right now is number two. And and this is listen, nothing to do with roster, nothing to do with quality of fights, nothing to do with their choice of season format, which I quite like, but it's a give or take thing. It's, you know, some people don't care for it. Some people think it's cool. It's also this whole season thing. Two fights is just weird. Uh, but this is a meat and potatoes thing. This comes down to one of these is broadcast and has the wide support of ESPN. One of them doesn't. One of them is on Showtime. One, we don't even get that in Canada. Uh, so I'm unfamiliar with this is, but I'm told it does not have the widest reach um, as far in the U.S. If I'm to understand, it's certainly not as much as ESPN. And uh, at this point, maybe I don't know, maybe not even ESPN Plus. But as long as ESPN um, can continue to pretend that Bellator doesn't exist and only push the UFC and only push Bell's, uh, PFL, Bellator is going to be fighting uphill. I mean, plus their own weird programming choices, having Nemcon Romero go off last over Sergio Pettis, Patricio Pitbull, just these weird little things where they kind of shoot themselves in the foot. Um, and then again, you add in just the broadcast limitations. There's just something that they, they just aren't able to connect with the fans. Um, even, even a big card like this, like we said, I think pretty clearly the best card on paper. You have former UFC fighters. That's usually always helps, but... It, it's just not happening and the Showtime deal isn't helping at all. So it really is just a matter of how many people even have access to your product and are likely to casually trip upon your product. It's much more likely to happen Friday night, your fr Thursday night, Friday night, PFL runs events on either nights, you know, this season, randomly flicking along. Oh, cool. There's cage fights. It's not UFC, but you know, I like, I would like MMA. I'll watch that. Then I don't know that same thing happening with um, Bellator on Showtime. So it's just, it's just a sad reality of the situation, but uh, yeah, PFL number two. Yeah. If I know New York Rick, and I think that I do, there's two things he loves to debate. One, what is the greatest of all time in certain in a certain weight class or in the sport? And even more so, what's the second best anything in MMA? And here we go, New York Rick. I mean, you're you're a guest on the show, and I'm so honored and happy that you are here. That I wanted to throw this bone to you. One of your favorite topics of all time is PFL number two right now. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Um, as you've as you've <laughs> astutely laid out, I love nothing more than talking about this. Um, I cannot change my tune now. Um, I would love, uh, you know, I obviously the the framing of this question is is pushing me toward an answer. And to your best effort, I, I cannot divert from I, I cannot shift courses from what I've said before, which is that there is no number two, and it does not matter in the least who number two is. They should not be trying to fight for number two. They should be fighting for number one. They should be trying to be number one. They should be differentiating. And this this obsession with being number two is quite frankly like pathetic in my eyes. It's it's useless. It's meaningless. And there was a quote I read in an article from The Ringer. I want to. I actually brought this up while AK was talking because it stuck with me for so long. Brian Curtis of The Ringer wrote this in 2018. It was a, it was an article about the show High Noon on ESPN, um, but from Eric Rideholm, who's also the the mind behind Jesus Amaro. Jesus Amaro is a great show between or former show that uh, started with Complex and then went to Showtime between these two great New York personalities who have since kind of had a, a rift, but they are amazing. Um, and it was one of my favorite shows. And one of the things that Rideholm said that really stuck with me 
was when he was talking about Jesus Samaro, he said the following quote, there are far more people who know the show and feel like they watch the show and emphasis on feel it's italicized and feel like they watch the show than people who actually watch the show. That's, I think, the best case I can hope for here. So he's talking about the future of High Noon and he's talking about Jesus and Mero and more people feel like they know about and watch the show than actually watch the show. That is Bellator. That is PFL. That is the battle for second place. More people feel like they watch Bellator and more people feel like they watch PFL than actually watch PFL. And it's insignificant. You need, they need to be pushing for viewers. They need to be doing things to change their their and it is not going to be mired in this battle and debate for who's number two that is not the way forward well let me just say this this is the end of the round but i got a feeling and this could be a you know a little teaser something to prepare yourselves for i don't think we're done with this topic i don't think we're done with this topic but we move on to round three the point four round two goes to There it is. New York, Rick. I mean, Mr. Consistency. But you try to throw him a curveball, he just I, I want to be number two that round. Right field line. I want to be number two that <laughs> round. Good. Good. <laughs> who really who really won? I just love that question. By the way, if number two merges with number two, what happens? Is it just even more two like two-ish? Do they, do they become the two-ish promotion ever? Okay. One of the twos okay. becomes oh, a one of the twos becomes what is it the exponent or whatever the the, <laughs> oh, yeah, the right. factor yes. of they become to the factor <laughs> of right. Right, right that's tremendous that's tremendous <laughs> but maybe maybe we'll talk more about that in a little while but um all right, all right. let's let, let's move on to a division that has gotten really interesting the ufc's middleweight division has actually gotten pretty interesting israel adesanya is back as champion after defeating alex Pereira. We have a lot of important fights on the books at 185 for one reason or the other for the UFC in the next few weeks. Some that could have significant impact on the division and title implications. Last weekend, we had a, a very fun fight between Jared Cannonier and Marvin Vittori, a.k.a. the toughest chin on planet Earth. These two guys battled. Cannonier pulled away. And my opinion, this was the best performance of his entire career. So New York Rick, grade that performance from... Jared Cannonier, the one-time middleweight title challenger. Yeah, that was – it was pretty impressive. I got to admit, I'm, I'm going to go 8.5 out of 10. Like that was a pretty damn complete performance. For one, um, being rocked in round one, clearly stunned by Marvin Vittori, um, and then turning it completely around in round two to the point where it was it was a 10-8 and then continuing to kind of dominate the rest of that fight, showing he had cardio, showing he could set a record pace for middleweight strikes in a division that has featured mostly strikers, right? Like if you think about the champions from, from Anderson to Israel, it's kind of been uh, more of a striking, uh, a striking own division. Um, I was impressed, man. I was impressed to the point where I'm like, I don't, I'm not dying to see Cannoneer versus Israel Adesanya again, but would I turn it down? Would I feel as bad about it as I felt the last time they had that fight? I wouldn't. I I, I now am willing to put Jared Cannonier back in contender position, mostly because of how, how good I think at a baseline level Marvin Vittori is. He's extremely tough. And he, most other guys who would have taken those shots from Cannonier probably would have been finished. Um, he's just got an un 
inhuman chin. Um, but yeah, really strong performance against a guy who I rate highly in the in the middleweight division. Um, I was impressed. I was I was truly impressed. AK, not a lot of people are giving this a lot of like credible, you know, hope that this is even going to be a fun fight, let alone a lot of people weren't giving Jared Kennedy a lot of a chance because of the way Marm Vittori puts on the pressure with, with the way he competes. Like it felt like a really solid matchup for Marvin Vittori and because just Marvin can't be hurt, but Jared hurt him a lot in this fight. Like he didn't put him away, but he hurt him a lot in this fight. 8.5 from New York, Rick, where are you putting Jared Kennedy's performance? Uh, I'll go a little bit higher. I'll go, I'll go like 8.8. Uh, I was I was almost going to go nine, but I guess nine would have been no, it would have been ten if he had finished him. Um, I'll go or maybe I'll go eight point. I don't. I'll go stop at nine. Uh, I will say I I was one of the few who thought this could be an entertaining main event. I thought we would get sort of the um, the Marvin that fought you know Paulo Costa as opposed to the, maybe the more methodical Marvin or the more kind of um, like less offensively aggressive Marvin. Uh, not that he had a chance to get much off in this fight because yeah, Jared was, I mean, the last four rounds at least was fantastic. So all the credit in the world to him. I did pick the wrong winner though. I actually thought Marvin, we're talking, saying all this great stuff about Ken Nier putting together like a strong five round performance and, and showing off the cardio. I thought Vittori would have the cardio advantage. Um, and I'm not saying cardio was his weakness here, but Ken Nier's cardio looked fantastic. He was with him all the way. So I, I was I was somewhat right that I thought the fight could be a good one. Totally wrong on the winner. Um, uh, unlike Rick, I will say I'm not super enthused about seeing Kanir again. I know he's in position now where like he could be the backup for the uh, Israel Adesanya fight. The whoever is, is he ends up fighting, I would be very surprised. Very surprised. It, I, like I get it, if they don't have any other options, they want he wants to fight and Sydney has to fight somebody. Boy, I, I would hope they would have to find someone besides Kanier because I thought that first fight was so was you know unwatchable, and I know he looked better against Marvin. Um, I always say I'm one of the people who will tell you first that rematches rarely go exactly the same as the first fight, but I just think like Kanier and Izzy is such a bad style matchup, and you do end up with a poor uh, fight entertainment wise, like nine times out of ten. Uh, I, I just don't think they match up well as far as um, being crowd pleasers. I think Kennedy and Vittori was, a, again, on paper, a much better chance of, of turning into a decent fight, which was what we got. So all the credit in the world to Kennedy. You know, I always say it's not all about uh, getting back to title shots, though I know that's what he wants. He's done everything he can so far. Like we always say, well, if someone's guys going to be a contender, if they really want to prove it, they need at least one or two wins. Got two good wins against ranked guys. Uh, but I'm not enthusiastic about it. I could see him being the backup. I could totally see him being the backup for that Sydney card. But him actually being initially booked to be uh, be in that spot, I don't think I want it. And I don't think the UFC is uh, is crazy about going that direction either. Yeah, Let me. Was, can I just clarify uh, something? I, Let me be clear. I went from oh no oh my god no to okay like don't hate it like don't love it but don't hate it i just want to be clear on the degrees i went to in terms of cannoneer's uh title contention i went from oh no please god no it's like all right maybe if i'm forced yeah it was your lloyd christmas mary swanson dumb and dumber moment when she said one in a million oh you're saying there's a chance yeah that's that's kind of what jared cannonier did here because i was like you guys even if he won a decision i would have been like well if this is a cannonier decision 
I don't think there'll be any appetite for him to fight Israel Adesanya and not just next, but like anytime soon. But I feel like the door is somewhat open and AK, I, I know we talked about this on on to the next one, but I feel even stronger now today that the UFC 1000% needs to book Cannoneer versus Hamza Chemaev in Abu, in Abu Dhabi next. Do it in October because if Cannoneer really does want a title shot, especially with Israel Adesanya as the champion, if he fights Hamza, if he beats Hamza Chemaev, this to me is outside of a last minute, we need you on 10 days notice to fill in for fighter B. This is probably his best chance to get there. So do you think that Dana and the matchmakers and the UFC brass Tuesday in the war room, they were already talking about trying to put this fight together? I want to say yes, Mike, but I have no idea what conversations they have about Hamza Shamayev at this point. Again, it's very unclear. Um, I think I think the slant, I'm trying to get, read the tea leaves here and gauge sort of public opinion. I think the slant has gone towards uh, like questioning the UFC. Why haven't they booked him? Um are they off? Are they giving him the requisite three fights a year? Because if not, then how is you know how are they honoring the terms of the the contract? Right? They, they, Dana White always says all the time. Listen, I don't know why this guy isn't fighting. I, we offer three fights a year. If they don't want to fight, they don't want to fight. We offer three fights a year. So I so just by you know using math here, theoretically the UFC hasn't been offering. Uh, sorry, has offered fights and Hamzat hasn't taken them. And again, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to believe. If you look at Hamzat's social media, he when he tweets these days, it's generally about, hey, I'm ready to fight on this date or I want to fight this person. I want to fight this person. I want to fight this person. So the truth is somewhere in between. I honestly could not, cannot tell you what um, what conversations they're having about him because it feels like, yeah, Jared Cannonier, very logical coming after that performance. That should have been what they were talking about Tuesday's meeting. But I also feel like there's other fight cards that happened this year where they could have talked about Hamzad and made something happen. So uh, I, I'm leaning towards like, that it has not come up uh, as a, as a as a point of priority, just because we just don't know what's going on with Hamzat. Jared has fought himself into a position where a number one contender's belt with Hamzat makes a lot of sense, makes a ton of sense. But it's the it's the Hamzat part of this equation that I am so unsure of. And we, we listen. We talked about Volkan well, McGregor fights here. You could ask me the same thing about Hamzat, and honestly, my my answer will be pretty low. It feels like he has to land in Abu Dhabi against somebody. Near very logical name, but we just haven't heard any rumblings, any any even the slightest like murmur that this guy is is going to be booked anytime soon. So listen, hopefully a reverse jinx. I said that, and as soon as Butiel goes off the air, we get a we get a Hamzat fight report. I don't know. Yeah, Greg, is this the fight to make after this performance? Jared Cannonier versus Hamzat Shemaev. Is this the fight to make? I'd rather see Costa versus Hamza, which has been teased and talked about, and I like the build to that a little bit better. But I wouldn't mind Kananir Hamza. I think it's a, it's a credible challenge and somebody who, if Hamza wins, you could really shove him right to a title shot. But quite frankly, the UFC has just botched this, and I just want to see Hamza fight. I don't care who he's fighting. He, he could be fighting me. He could be fighting you. As long as he's fighting sometime, somewhere, that's all I really care about. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Kananir... Cannoneer's brother, his cousin, somebody else on the roster, somebody else not even on the roster. Great. Feed him to the Hamzad and let's just see what happens. Um, I'm down for it. Uh, but as a, as, a, as a style matchup, as a credible fight, like I, I think that's interesting enough and definitely a high enough ranked guy that if Hamzat can win, you shove him into a title shot. And if Cannoneer can stop Hamzat coming off this performance against Vittori, 
I'm okay with with him and re-entering the title conversation, especially now on the you know on the heels of another defense for Israel, maybe or you know another defense opportunity for Israel and Whitaker and DDP. Maybe the champion isn't Israel Adesanya more anymore, and things get refreshed. Um, so yeah. Well, what are we going to do with Israel Adesanya in New York, Rick? While the division is interesting. It's been kind of mismanaged. It's like AEW booked the UFC's middleweight division. Just too much gaga, all this stuff. Like It leads to nothing, really, or it could potentially lead to nothing because Izzy is expected to fight in September on that Sydney card. And I just don't know who he could or is going to fight at this point. Like, yes, there's fights in the books. Robert Whitaker versus DDP. Dana White is saying the winner of this fight's going to turn around and fight in Sydney and fight Israel Adesanya for the title. But... That's an awfully quick turnaround. We were being very optimistic about the durability of these two gentlemen, especially with DD freaking P involved, who is just all gas, no brakes, pure chaos. So I figure, you know, it's 121. It's time to rile some people up, New York Rick. Who's the guy? Who's the guy that could step in there in Sydney, Australia, and fight Israel Adesanya for the UFC middleweight championship of the freaking world? It's a good question, Mike. I feel like you've teed this up very, very nicely for me. So um, I'm just going to go out and say it. I'm not going to give the whole preamble that I gave last time. The answer is Bo Nickel. And I'll tell you why the answer is Bo Nickel. Because if we're waiting for the result of Robert Whitaker and DDP, you also, you know, there's also another person who's fighting at UFC 290 that you can wait on the result of, and that's Bo Nickel. If you're talking about potentially throwing Sean Strickland um, into the equation, which I've seen bandied about, right? You know, there's there's almost like a, we're operating with this almost assumption, I feel like from MMA fans, where it's like Whitaker and DDP are not gonna be able to turn around in time. That's kind of the going sentiment that I feel. I think that, you know, kind of remains to be seen. Let's see how that fight plays out. But that's the sentiment I kind of feel, at which case they kind of default to Sean Strickland, to which I ask, why? Why does Sean Strickland have to be the answer? How about... Bo Nickel, American wrestler, Bo Nickel. If he can get past Treshawn Gore, A, I think he'd be willing to turn around. B, it's a lot more compelling a fight from an actual styles perspective for me to see Bo Nickel and Israel Adesanya, especially because I think Bo Nickel's hands are still a little bit raw and he's not there. I'd like to kind of see it a little bit early. And and C, I promise you the odds on a Bo Nickel and Israel Adesanya fight are going to be a lot closer than on a Sean Strickland uh, Israel Adesanya fight or a DDP Israel Adesanya fight. So this idea that like, I don't want to hear about Bo. It's too early. He's only this X, Y, (laughs) Z. Save the gripes. Save the crying. Save the whining. I'm okay with it. And look, if Bo goes in there and gets smoked, I promise you they'll be counting their pay-per-view money and not worried about it. Because he'll be back and Israel Adesanya will be champion. And if not, now you've got something special. Now you've got a super prospect who just took out a long reigning middleweight champion with that uh, with that Alex Pereira hiccup in the middle there. But somebody who's defended the title many, many times. And Bo Nichols just got a rocket strapped to his back. So, yeah, I think this idea of like, well, it kind of has to be Sean Strickland because Whitaker and, and DDP are not going to turn around in time. I say bully to that. And I say give Bo a chance. Dude, Sean Strickland's got a tough fight out of him. Avis Magomedov is, that too. Is, is, a, is a tough fight. Who knows? Maybe it's Avis Magomedov. AK, 
You're here. Bo Nickel. This was this has been my mentions on Twitter have been exploding since Tuesday. Thanks to New York, Greg, because it ended up being very compelling because people were like, oh, this is the stupidest friggin' idea I've ever heard. But then people start talking about it. They're like, hmm, maybe this isn't as crazy as I thought it was when I first heard it. Is this crazy, AK? Is New York Rick out of his mind? Uh, there were also some not so nice comments about you on MMAfighting.com, Mike. But don't worry, I've erased those comments. Don't, don't, don't. You don't need to look at those. Don't worry. Don't worry about those. Don't worry about those. We don't. I just asked those. the freaking question. Oh you, 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 exactly. You're you're just asking questions. I thought I thought the MMA community loved that. It was asked to me. Loved, oh my god. Yeah. Anyway. Crazy. Anyway, listen. They're shooting. They're shooting the messenger, or even the receiver in this in this case. Uh, New York, I I hate that I love that suggestion so much, because. <laughs> No, because listen, the the like this, this would harken back to me to the days of old school UFC, right? Which is like we t- we're t- we're just going to take the best wrestler uh, in this weight class right now, and we're going to put him up against a. Well, I guess I don't want to just call Izzy a kickboxer, but you know this this would be wrestling versus kickboxing UFC two. Bo Nickel is really this, and yeah, um, Izzy is so much more than that now. Both guys and Bo is obviously much more than just a wrestler, but it really would remind me of that. And 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 this is before we didn't care about oh, this guy's. This guy's, you know, thirty and zero in kickboxing, and this, or, or sorry, we we would care about that. We would look at the, you know, their their record in other combat sports. Bo Nichols' incredible collegiate and you know amateur wrestling record, and you would look at that and just be enough to say, yeah, I want to see these two fight. I, I think there's there's something intriguing here. But I get it. That was friggin' what twenty five years ago. Now the sport has evolved so much. I understand we need to stop evoking the ghost of of uh, the original UFCs and this one. But I, I don't hate that suggestion at all. I actually think it's really cool, um, and I. I could totally see the UFC being able to market it. Now, uh, but for my suggestion, Mike, how did you phrase the question? Did you say who's going to step up and fight Izzy for the middleweight title? Who's the guy? Like, who's the guy? Well, I got to step way out of the box here because I don't know if there is anyone available to challenge for the middleweight title now. I think I'd want to see Izzy actually go up to 205 again. Have a little dalliance up at 205. Just so we can get it, because again, I, I just I just don't. Besides Bonickel, which I just don't, I think it's too soon. Um, I think I don't think there's anyone else that I could throw into the middleweight title fight right now. And again, unless Kamzat pops out of nowhere, and he should not get a middleweight title. He's less deserving of middleweight title shot right now than Bonickel. I think he goes up to a five, and they give him a title fight with a guy who's been waiting for his first defense. Well, Mr. Jamal Hill, I think Izzy gets a chance to become a uh, two division champion. I'm going way outside the box here. I know this is crazy, but uh, that'd be a hell of a homecoming uh, if he were able to pull that off. I think he'd be favored in that fight. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I'm not saying I think he'd run through Jamal Hill, but again, he would. I think he would be the when the odds come in, he would be favored, and the crowd would be absolutely going nuts to see him get a chance. And if he wins, and if Alex Pereira beats Jan Blakovich, guess what? Then you get your second, uh, your third, excuse me, your third MMA fight between Izzy and Pereira for UFC gold again. So there you go. Or I think that could happen. I mean, look, listen, I, I I don't think that's a crazy idea. I think that's mm-hmm. an idea that people have been throwing out. Like if we just run yeah. out of there's nobody there, like let's give Jamal Hill a call. He turned around like two weeks' notice to fight Glover Teixeira. So I mean, he was preparing for another fight, obviously, but turned back around and fought for the belt and won. And yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't. I just don't know what the hell's gonna happen. 
can you imagine? I, I got to tell you, New York Rick, I am hope. I, like I am rooting for this Bo Nickel idea to come to fruition so badly. <laughs> just just because I just want to see the reactions to it. It's not going to happen. This is not my suggestion, but I honestly, after seeing all the comments and just seeing everything, just based on a, a headline from a call-in radio show that we do, I want it to happen so bad, and I'm going to try to will it into existence as much as possible, New York Rick. Yeah, this is the point, right? Like, you are excited about it. Whether, look, I'm not arguing that Bo Nickel is the most competitive matchup for Israel Adesanya. That's not my argument. I think Robert Whitaker, amongst middleweights, I don't consider Hamzat a middleweight yet, but I think Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya are the two best middleweights. I think those two, um, now with Alex leaving as well, there's a lot of asterisks that I have to place on this, but Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya are the two best remaining middleweights, and I think that that is the, the best style matchup, that is the best competitive fight. But if you're asking me, do I do I want to see that a third time, or would I rather see some fresh blood in the form of Bo Nickel and see, you know, what that American wrestling looks like, what that amateur wrestling looks like? Yeah, I mean, I I could be convinced, and I and I think there'd be a way to sell it, and I think the fans getting angry and simultaneously excited about it would be a great way to do that. But I also do like AK's suggestion. I don't hate the idea of uh, of Israel Adesanya versus Jamal Hill. That's a fun fight. I have to see Jamal Hill fight Yuri Prohashka this year. Didn't Tim Simpson go on the MAR and say Yuri's like ready to go? Didn't he say that? Yes. I hope so. He did. I hope so. So what's he going did. on? Said- oh. That's what I'm saying. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe they need Jamal for to fight Izzy. Maybe that's why. Well, they need- yeah. if in the world where it seemed like uh, Michael Chandler and, and um, Conor McGregor was kind of being earmarked for December, in the world where now that's not necessarily the December pay-per-view, now you have some options open, right? Now maybe there is a Jamal um, versus uh, Yuri type fight that happens. And then at the end of the year, I feel like the back half of the calendar has gotten a little bit messy while they're waiting for the John Jones situation to settle. Um, now with Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler and Flux, I think they've got some things to sort out. Um but yeah, I like uh, to be honest. If you're Jamal Hill, both those fights are big time fights, and I and I'd be sitting pretty uh, with either one of those. Yep. Well, let's move on to this weekend's festivities. The point for round three goes to I mean, it has to go to New York, Rick. It just has to. I mean, just making the case. AK feeling like the Raptors brass in the draft room right now, just oh, rolling nervous. their eyes. Realizing. Nervous. <laughs> uh, so- the Bellator champion series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ, Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist, Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, 
and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. The UFC is back in Jacksonville, AK. I feel like you're the first, the right person to go to. You can go ahead and do your your call in a moment. But uh, main event, featherweight division, Ilya Taporia looking to remain undefeated, taking on Josh Emmett, who just fought for the interim title against Yair Rodriguez earlier this year. Yair stopping a pretty good win streak for Josh Emmett. AK, I don't know if you saw the betting lines on this. Ilya Taporia is like a minus 345 favorite heading into this fight, which... I'm not surprised Tapori is a like a good size favorite, but I just felt like that was that's that's really wide considering the experience that Josh Emmett has being in five round fights and just the level of competition he's fought. But your thoughts on the matchup? What are these guys fighting for here, AK? What are the stakes in this main event on ABC this Saturday? Uh, first of all, first of all, people shout out Duval. Thank you for the graphic right there, uh, Casey. Casey, shout out, shout out, shout out to Duval. Can I get, can I get, can I get some Duvals in the Duvals in the chat? Uh, for Taporia, it's obvious. I mean, Taporia can get a title shot right off of this win. I mean, that's it. He wins. He wins his fight. He's. I'm not saying he's guaranteed a title shot, but there's nothing. I don't think there's anything more he has to do. Emmett just fought for uh, interim title. Uh, Bryce Mitchell was a Taporia dominated Bryce Mitchell. I think people might want to see one more ranked win, and that's fine. I, I I won't argue. But you know, when you've got a dominant champion of Volkanovski who constantly needs fresh challengers, you could do a lot worse than Ilya Tapuria. He's got that. He, he, if he wins on Saturday, he'll keep that nice undefeated tag. That's always a, always a fun thing to have um, when you're presenting a challenger who you know maybe the hardcore fans know, but some of the more lapsed fans might not be familiar with. You show them. Hey, 14 and 0. Look at this submission you got. Look at this sick knockout of Chai Herbert. And then, you know, then you're building some intrigue. Um, there's a lot of stuff getting in the way of that, of course. Volkanovsky, if he gets past Jerry Rodriguez, we know he might want to sort of start campaigning for that uh, Makachev rematch. Fans, I know fans still want to see that. I think the UFC is very interested in it. First fight, super competitive. So Tapura is fighting not for an immediate title shot, but to at least for the opportunity that if he wins, have the option to sit for a bit um, again and see what happens with Volkanovski because if, if Volkanovski does defend again, I got to take a quick look at the featherweight rankings here. I just really can't imagine who would be above uh, Toporia unless you think Toporia has to go through Arnold Allen. You know, Allen just had that tough loss to Holloway. It would really be, it would really have to be Toporia. Um, there's a lot of great names of featherweight. He's just right now is the best mixture of a guy who has experience, but is also young, uh, also still up and coming. If he lost to Volkanovski, could could theoretically put together a run and fight Volkanovski again somewhere down the road. And uh, talking about sort of opportunity and age, that's what Emmett's fighting for, man. I mean, listen, to stay relevant. I don't know if he gets a title shot again, certainly not anytime soon. If he beats Toporia, great. Holds on to his spot, takes his kid's hype. Uh, again, stays in the winner's column, stays relevant. Uh, but it's it's a long climb, I think, for Emmett to to get a shot at either um, whoever ends up having the belt in the future, whether it's Yair or Volkanovski. So it's it's a must win for him in that sense. Otherwise, we start he loses on Saturday. We start getting into these talks of retirement. He's 38 years old. We start getting talks of oh, is it is it you know should he try fighting at lightweight, which would be you know comfortable for him, but he'd probably have a ceiling there. He's not the biggest guy, so um, yeah, he he is fighting to stay relevant and avoid all that talk that comes from the fans. And us talking into the media, we're like, oh, should Josh Emmett, should Josh Emmett hang it up? And uh, I don't think any fighter wants to put up with that crap. So um, there's a lot of on the line for him as well. 
New York Rick, Ilya Teporia minus 345, a comeback on Josh Emmett plus 285. Are you surprised that it's this wide? No, because I think, man, quite frankly, I think Ilya Teporia is a bad style matchup for like everybody in the division. He's just too well-rounded. He's just too sharp on the feet. He's shown he's also great on the ground. Like... I, I don't say it a lot, but I think he's got that future champ potential. I don't really, I'm not one of those people who like really just like calls everybody a future champion. Like it's, it's been rare, few and far between Hamzat's definitely one of them. He smells like a future champion, man. He's just so well-rounded. And, and when he smells blood, he's, he's an absolute killer. You look at the rankings. Like if he takes Josh Emmett's spot at five, if he can get the win and take Josh Emmett's spot at five, there's Arnold Allen, Brian Ortega, Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez in front of him. And, if I'm any of those guys, like I probably don't want that smoke, but I might be forced into it. It feels like maybe like, I don't know if you get a title shot off this, maybe in the, in the case, if um, Volkanovsky moves up to 155 and starts chasing that title. Now, all of a sudden you've got more opportunities for contenders. And now you've got two people that need to be in a title fight. And maybe this is the one that gets them. But if this is not the one, maybe you see how the Max Holloway Korean zombie fight, plays out not that there's you know much intrigue or surprise to that one after max holloway dust korean zombie you kind of swoop in there and maybe you do you do the max fight can you be the one to break max holloway that wasn't alexander volkanovsky and then you're ready for title contention and if not you know brian ortega has been on the sidelines for a while he's uh i believe the exact not the exact quote but the sentiment of it was Taporia was calling out Ortega and Ortega said like you're not going to talk your way up here if even Josh Emmett it's not talk anymore now it's time to to put pen to paper and I wouldn't be mad about an Ilya Taporia Brian Ortega fight so this feels like to AK's point like the one step before but man this would this would mean something and and I think it would put the top of that division on notice so and, and as far as as far as Emmett goes, yeah, he's he's up there in age, but he really hasn't lost a lot in his career. He's he's been very very steady. Um, so this could be one of those where he bounces back and gets right back on track, like his his last loss. Um, but we'll see. Uh, he, he's getting up there in age. I don't know how much more he has to prove. Is he going to be a title challenger again? I really doubt it. But I, I I think he can still hang around. Like we just watched thirty nine year old Jared Cannonier kind of reinvent his his title um, candidacy. Uh, over the weekend so i wouldn't say that it's impossible but yeah there there's there, there's a lot i think there's a lot more downside to losing than there is upside for winning for josh emmett but it's still a, a very important fight for him yep love the fight i do i actually i actually feel like if Ilya goes out there and just waxes josh emmett and like stops him gets him out of there like inside of three rounds I think Volk will be like, all right, cool. Like, I kind of want to fight that dude. Like, that'd be a fun little challenge, although he's got to get by Yair Rodriguez, and that fight is going to absolutely rule. So uh, last thing, there is going to be a preview show uh, about this card tomorrow. I believe it's at 3 p.m. Eastern with uh, the wonderful colleagues of mine at MMAfighting.com doing the preview. But uh, AK, what is the best fight on this card that is getting no attention? Uh, uh, I don't mind the Coleman, but I would say that's getting a fair bit of attention. I'm going to go off main card here. I'm going to go off main card. I am really, you know, oh, God, I got to say what's well, obvious. Uh, Tetsuro Tyra. Tetsuro Tyra, Tyra uh, Clitson Rodriguez. Uh, flyweight unders are back. Listen, flyweight unders are back. These guys uh, are both <laughs> young young gunners. There are a few younger guns than Tetsuro Tyra in the entire UFC. I think he just recently, I shouldn't say recently, but earlier this year turned 23 years old. Uh, Clayton's not old by any means, 27. Uh, both guys are flyweight finishers. 
Uh, Tyra has just looked again. He's the guy. He came up. He debuted. I don't want to say the same card, but like I think the same month as like Makayev. And listen, I totally understand why Makayev is the more hyped prospect. I do think he is further along, um, despite the age being similar. But man, Tyra's really, really sneaking under the radar. There's just you just don't hear a lot of buzz. And I think he's like always opening cards. This time he's the second. Uh, sorry, uh, the second fight, the second fight on the preliminary cards. So I love how that, and maybe they don't finish each other, but I think there'll be some fun scrambles, some fun exchanges. I think you're going to see two guys who are both going to have good careers in the UFC. Uh, if they don't fight for a title, will end up ranked at Sotara, I would say for sure. Clayton, I actually also think has a chance to get ranked, even if he loses on Saturday. So pretty easy pick for me. Flyweight's rule. Um, and listen, that's, there's also Zalgas and Joshua Van too, so some people want to go that. But great, great showcase for the flyweights, but I'll lean towards the um, the Tyra Rodriguez fight for now. That's uh, that's my sleeper. It's a great pick. New York Rick, best fight on the card, getting no attention. It's it's the man that always flies under the radar. It's, it's Neil Magny. It's Neil Magny and Phil Rowe. I love that fight. Um, Phil Rowe's on, on quite a nice little streak, and Magny's kind of been bouncing up and down. But this is this is the fight. This is the one that I th- like. If if Phil Rowe can beat Neil Magny, I think that puts him in a class that we might not have kind of seen for him um, at the outset. And and I'd be impressed. And and I'd like to kind of see where he goes from here. Um, and Neil has another opportunity to be the guy who just gets in there with anybody tough, unranked, ranked doesn't really matter. Um, and either shuts them down or becomes a, a stepping stone to the to the next level. So um, I love this fight, and I love Neil Magny. Um, he continues to do it and uh, and be underrated and be undervalued. Um, but I will not undervalue him. I love Neil Magny versus Phil Rowe. Great fight. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good card. Like David Onama is like always fun. Gabriel Santos is a fun fighter. That fight's gonna be great. Randy Brown, Wellington, Terman. That one probably ain't going to the cards. Matush Rebecca, like Radzaboff's going to be really fun, especially if it gets to the ground. Tabitha Ricci, Jillian Robertson. Like Jillian Robertson goes out there and beats Tabitha Ricci at 115. Go for it. Strap the rockets mm-hmm. to her. And then mm-hmm. let's give her a push at 115. So lots I like about this card. I will be there on Saturday. I'm pretty excited. I haven't been to a I haven't been boots on the ground for a UFC card in almost a year. So I'm excited for that. So let us move on. Potentially. The point for round four goes to give him a Duval, AK. It's two to two. Duval. And you know what that means? Shocker, I know. We're going to the knockout round. One question will decide all 60 seconds for each of these wonderful competitors to give their response. New York Rick, you are the champion. What are we going to do here? Do you want to go first or do you want to pass it over to AK Price's Right style? I will always go first. Ooh, I love this. So we had a, a wonderful conversation a little bit earlier about the PFL and Bellator. And there have been rumors, some innuendo, if you will, about possibly PFL buying out Bellator. Maybe a, a merger of some kind. Scott Coker said a partnership. PFL is on the table. Ray Sefo also confirmed that there are discussions going on. Ariel talked about it on the MMA Hour on Monday, or yesterday, excuse me. Um, let's just say, New York Rick, that this deal happens, and the PFL folk, they call you on the telephone. They say, New York Rick, we can't move this forward without your brilliance. You wanted to do Israel Adesanya versus Bo Nickel. This is the kind of forward thinking we need 
in order to make this promotion run to the best of its ability. So 60 seconds on the clock and do the best you can here because this is a pretty loaded question. If you accept that role and this deal gets done, what's the number one priority? What's the first thing we got to do with this PFL Bellator merger? 60 seconds on the clock, go. Yeah, it's to take the best parts of both companies, right? I think the PFL's tournament format and their ability to do something that's a little bit different than what the UFC is doing, not essentially falling into the UFC light trap is what I would keep from PFL side. Infusing that with the talent of the Bellator roster, which I think, you know, you alluded to, their champions are are as as good as they've ever been. Um, and the rest of the depth of that roster is what I would continue to introduce. And then beef up that super fight series. I would lean really, really hard into Jake Paul's involvement, make sure I get a fight for Francis Ngannou. Now we've got some more options because of the infusion of talent for the from the Bellator roster. Finally be able to do Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg. There's a lot that I that I my mind's already cooking. I'd be I'd love to take the keys of the number two promotion in the world, <laughs> the, the now uh, PFL Bellator uh, hybrid. Uh, but I actually think there is a lot that they can do that to be successful and compete with the UFC. All right. So New York Rick gave his thoughts, but you know what? They can't just hand New York Rick the job. He's got to fight for it. And the man who's going to try to take this position, a man that the PFL tour is all interested in, is is, is the Prince of Positivity, Alexander Kaylee. Maybe they want a positive approach to running this promotion and putting them in a position they never expected they could be in. So, AK, you get the call. You're, you're now the director of fighter operations for this new merging promotion, and you have to make a move right out the gate to to plant that flag what are we doing what's the number one priority in your eyes one minute on the clock go i mean listen thank god just adding bellator and giving them the option of having their heavy roster to fight francis it just makes us a winning deal already like i was joking about ante delisia before there's a very realistic chance he's francis's first pfl opponent and bless 2022 pfl champion ante delisia there's just not a lot of smoke there but you have something more intriguing with minikov with Ryan Bader, um, Valentin Moldovsky, Vadim Nemkov. Vadim Nemkov, come up for a super fight with Francis. So there you go. That's the one thing is, is you have something for Francis. You're building your whole 2024 campaign around Francis fighting at least two times, getting those eyeballs on there, like I said, getting people through the door, and then you can work on selling everything else. And then I love the idea of keeping – some people would want to streamline it. I want to keep everything. I want the season tournaments. I want mid. I want the Grand Prix. I want the – you know, non-tournament fights. Keep it all. I've recently gotten into football, you know, soccer, footy, and like they do all these weird mid-season tournaments things in addition to the regular season. It's all mixed in together and it's beautiful and it's the biggest sport in the world and this will become the biggest promotion in the world if you give me that same kind of organized chaos uh, in an MMA promotion. I know what Casey's first thing is. Everybody fights in the round Bellator cage, even the PFL fighters. That that that'd be his first partner. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well there you go. The, the 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 two guys vying for the role. So cast your votes, get them in right there in the chat, and we'll give it like you know forty five seconds to sixty seconds to let the votes come on in. And yes, preview show tomorrow. Get excited for that. We should have a heck of a morning tomorrow. We'll have UFC Jacksonville weigh-ins. I believe they start at 9 a.m. Eastern. So AK will be on the will be on the, the 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 ones and twos with the keyboard there. So get excited for that. He will keep you up to date on what's going on. Are they still only at 9 a.m.? They're not earlier. I think they're at nine. 
Really? That's tough for the fighters, right? Because they're, so they're getting like a barely a 24 hour turnaround. Oh, I guess it's not that's not crazy, but wow. Because oh yeah, 11:30 the next day, 9 a.m. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. ABC. It's that ABC life. Yeah. Uh, We'll have a people's pre-fight show at, I believe, 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. Isn't that exciting? Post-fight show, probably around 6.30 or 7. I mean, just just hitting the sweet spot. If we had, like, two less fights, this would be, like, the perfect ABC card. And then we'll oh, have on to the next don't one. Don't jinx All it. Uh, Zagas is booked, so uh, don't jinx it. You could uh, – I, I don't know if the man ever gets in the cage again. Stuff just keeps happening to him. So you could end up with that. You could get with your less fights wish. I'm not even going to say what I want to say right now because I'm, I'm very high on Josh Van and I'm, I want to be like, oh, he's definitely going to show up, but I'm knocking on wood, knocking on wood right now. So, uh, Casey, you're, you're here on the screen. So something tells me we have a winner or is this a battle? No, We're just no. waiting. It is a battle. I need, I need everyone to call their friends and get their votes in now because it is a battle <laughs> right now. Toll free. All right, toll guys. Free. Toll free. Toll free. Call it. Just 1-800 between the links. No let's, idea. Let's, One for New York Red Press. Two for AK League. Let's let's get this going. Just just vote for Alex and, and let's get this over with. Come on, people. Whoa. I agree. No, I agree. I like. Yes, let's. I love that. <laughs> what New York Rick said. Okay, oh, I'm, I'm giving about thirty more seconds. It's, it's it's too close. It's too close. I can't I can't let it go right now. I mean, there was a clear winner. Come on, guys, do the right thing. Do the right thing and vote for AK. Yes, and then next week, guys. Oh no, PFL has a card tomorrow too. Yeah, we didn't talk about but that. No, no. PFL. Yes, Shane Burgos is yes. back. Right the, the better oh, divisions. Hopefully, oh, they get that residual get John Romero. Jones and Francis Ngannou face-off viewership. Oh, they will. The, the, oh, they. How many will. times are they gonna? How many times will they show? Oh, all right. I'm sending the over under two and a half. Over under two and a half. How many times will they replay that face-off on the over. broadcast tomorrow? Oh, well over. They, Way over. Oh, yeah. they do they do a thing where they bring the same guest person out multiple times within one broadcast. Like they'll bring Francis <laughs> Ngannou out and then they'll do an interview with him. And then four hours later, they'll bring him back out. There is no way they don't use that footage 10 times. I will be so disappointed if it does not start off with last week on PFL. We saw Francis <laughs> Ngannou. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'll be amazing. so sad if they don't start. It, please, it, please. It's PFO's version of uh, Untough, the, the the push, the Connor Chandler mm-hmm. push. Yeah. We've seen like yep. six billion times, but yeah. add oh. that to your in, their intro. Yeah. That has that face off should be in their intro for. And oh, and by the way, incredible. to be honest, this is exactly what they should do. That's exactly what they should do. They should do this thirty times until until you can't <laughs> your eyeballs fall out of your head because you can't see it anymore. They should play it between rounds. Yeah, <laughs> it should be on a Every big round. screen, just yeah. looping like, in the like, arena. Instead of cutting your way to the corner, just cut away to a little insert of just the Francis John loop. Okay, their logo I got, should I, be they, they should do like the NBA, like the logo should be a silhouette of John and Francis. It's John. It's John grabbing Francis's bicep. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. and Francis touching That's his belly. <laughs> That's the logo. Oh man, that should have been your answer for the first priority. Okay? Okay. Are we closing? P- polls are closing very soon. Oh man. Oh, I'm just looking at Casey's face right now, trying to trying to get a read on the situation. Oh, I usually close goodness. them in twenty-five in like it's fifteen closed. seconds no matter what. You closed it? Okay. I closed it. Oh my gosh. All right. Casey, reveal it. Is New York Rick with a successful title defense? Does he get it done? Or does AK Lee come on in 
and win the belt with a sub 500 overall record. This would be an amazing history to be made here on BTL. Who gets it done? Your winner with barely 50% of the votes, but just one vote over, I think, is... And still, New York. Oh, Rick. New York Rick gets it done. New York Rick gets it up by like a vote or two. Holy smokes, what a battle! What a battle! Unbelievable, unbelievable. This this was literally our closest our closest uh, battle ever. It was. Uh, it was a good one. Eight, was, I felt it. One. I felt the closeness. Good one. AK, how do That's you feel? One. How do you feel? This is a great battle. I feel you, good. You, you I feel good. I, 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 I feel I perform better in this, uh, in this loss than some of my wins. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think I think this effort. There we go. I think this effort would have would have won me a lot. Thank. I think this would have won me a lot of other uh, ones that I lost, so I feel good about it. No complaints, no complaints. It is, uh, it's always an honor to play with New York Rick and, and to lose to New York Rick. I thought AK's record was going to be like the old DVD logo that would bounce from corner to corner and you were just rooting for it to <laughs> hit it exactly perfectly in the corner. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, New York Rick, congratulations on the win. I have to say, uh, before you cut your 30-second promo here, uh, I told Jed Mishu last week when I introduced him that you were the champion, and he thought the show just fell off a cliff when he found out that you were the champion. He did not have nice things to say about your run at New York, Rick. So he'll probably be your opponent next week. Your thoughts on Jed Mishu just being negative about your championship run? Yeah, let me just first address this week and just say what an honor it was to be here and to face Alexander. AK Lee is the best. In fact, I think that the fans once again throughout this entire run that I've been on have gotten it wrong and he deserved to win. Um, that's unfortunate. You, you guys need to do better at that. Um, probably take a look in the mirror and, and see what you're doing with your lives and and change that around. But um, the experience was still fantastic. It was great to be with you, Mike, Casey, AK. And as far as Jed, yeah, you know, he can't mean that it, it comes from a place of love. And I'm just looking forward to, to sharing um, the screen and the time with him as always, because he's such a warm individual and he spreads that positive light. And I'm somebody who likes to do the same. So when we combine that together, uh, only good times could be ahead. So um, thanks for the kind words, Jed, and look forward to seeing you soon. Good stuff. Casey, you can hit the music. We're done. Here it comes. There it is. All right. Thank you all very much. Back next Thursday, we will recap UFC Jacksonville. We'll get you ready for UFC Vegas 76. Sean Strickland versus Avis Magomedov. We're on the road to International Fight Week. UFC 290 is a great card. 291 is a great card. The summer months are going to be fantastic. And hope you will join us for all of it. So for AK, for New York Rick, for Casey on the one to two, the iconic voice of Metrolin takes you home. I am Mike Tech back next week. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. 
and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs>